Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey everybody, Jacob Daniel here. Um, so this episode is really on the long side. Um, I had a friend of mine, Thomas uh, Queter on, and we had a long conversation that went into a lot of different tif- topics uh, related to um, things that he's passionate about, um, you know, ad- advocating for uh, people with disabilities and showing how the state um not only doesn't help these people, but often further cripples them or causes disabilities in the first place. And also going into just kind of voluntarism in general and just, you know, different market solutions that are out there for various problems. And we talked a little bit of politics, a little bit of, you know, just, just kind of, you know, philosophy in general and everything. Um, so because of the length of this conversation, um, the, the file size is too big for me to upload it um, as one episode so i have to release it in two different segments uh to break it up which might make it easier to listen to rather than trying to you know listen to one two and a half hour podcast all at once so the uh only other thing i wanted to say um you know i'm getting caught up here in terms of the audio stuff we're we're getting close to to current uh i do have some uh announcements coming soon and changes to the podcast that I'll be announcing soon. So just stay tuned for that. Make sure you're following me on Twitter, which is at Biblical Anarchy, um, or go to Daniel318.com, or um, uh, follow me on Facebook, either personally, you know, search for me, Jacob Daniel Winograd, or uh, Daniel3 Biblical Anarchy on Facebook. Um, you know, and that way you'll be able to stay tuned for the announcements that are coming, uh, sometime in the next week or so. 
and um, super excited to share that with you once we get to it. Other than that, if you want to support what I'm doing um, in all the different endeavors, uh, you know, this podcast and uh, the other projects I'm working on, you know, patreon.com slash biblical anarchy. Uh, if you want to, you know, there'll be five dollars a month, ten dollars a month or, you know, a, a, as much as you can. It it means a lot if you're able to help out the show. You know, there are certain costs that, you know, you have to pay to be able to put out a podcast um, with hosting and equipment and, you know, software and, and all that, um, as well as, you know, time that I have to spend away from. Um, my family or from doing, you know, other work. And so I love what I do. I, I love what I do. I love advocating for liberty and making the, you know, Christian case for a free society and having, you know, conversations with different people that I hope you guys find interesting and want to continue to work on giving you guys more content and, um, you know, helping to enrich your lives and to help the, you know, the liberty movement broadly speaking so you know if <clears throat> you're able to pitch anything my way it, it certainly is much appreciated and will be put to good use again that's patreon.com slash biblical anarchy and that's it for me so this will be part one of my conversation with thomas queter Everybody, uh, Jacob Daniel here. This is episode 85 of the Daniel Three Podcast, and uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in tonight. Um, so uh, this is a pre-recorded episode, um, and I have a guest tonight that I've uh, talked to a whole bunch, and I've always thought we've had fascinating conversations. And so I thought, rather than just you know deprive the world of those conversations being accessible to them, we would have one on the show. That way they can, uh, um, you know, enjoy it themselves. Uh, I think that we we tend to get pretty deep into uh, stuff. So um, as far as what's going on with the show, um, you know, as, as most of you who follow know, uh, I had my fourth child back in May. So, you know, there is no regular schedule at the moment. It literally is just whenever I can manage to find time to record or stream, that's when I find time to record or stream. Um, so, and I'm, you know, hopefully as the, um, 
baby was born in May. So we do quick math here. He's a uh, <laughs> three and a half coming up on four months old here soon. Um, so, you know, probably um, still going to be a weird schedule because we're going to be coming up into holiday season soon around the time he gets to be six months old. But hopefully after the holidays, I'll get back into more of a uh, consistent um release schedule and i got some cool things in the works right now i'm working on some collaborative projects with lci and um and some other people that we're we're working on some stuff with so um anyway i just wanted to put that out there i know it's uh you know my my episodes tend to be right now either like uh you know two weeks gap or there's two in a row and uh i figured i would just give a little bit of an update as far as that goes, um, other than that, uh, I don't have anything else really to give. Um, tonight's guest is someone, like, like I said before at the beginning, uh, him and I have had a lot of conversations. Um, we met over uh, the Clubhouse app back when that became popular, and uh, we've talked about you know everything: uh, religion, politics, philosophy, voluntarism, weed, uh, psych- <laughs> drugs, uh, police. He he's literally uh, witnessed me having to leave a clubhouse room because I was getting pulled over by a cop. So uh, lots of lots of fun stories we can reminisce on. Um, but it is my good friend Thomas the Quitter. Uh, Thomas, how you doing tonight? Uh, Thomas Quitter. I know, I, I know. I it was it, it was a bit of a joke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Thomas Quitter, really quieted. Yeah, so Thomas, um, uh, first time on my show. Maybe you want to uh, introduce yourself, and you know, I I don't know. We can you can do the typical how I became a libertarian spiel that uh you do on a libertarian podcast, or you know, just give the folks whatever you want to give as far as who who you are. Well, I'm Thomas Quitter. I'm an individualist. Um, I would not subscribe to a political party until 2019, so three years ago. Um, I subscribed to the Libertarian Party in that year because of Larry Sharp and because of the more rational messaging about things that I was um, getting from the Libertarians in New York and from the libertarians that I met um, nationally at the time. It's, it's interesting, right? I, I signed up for a third party. Boy, did I sign up to lose, right? That's what everybody out there is not a libertarian is thinking. Um, and that's fine. Yeah, it's not about winning. It's about trying. It's about doing the work. It's about spreading messages. When it doesn't matter if it's politics or advertising. Maybe you're trying to affect a, an industry. It doesn't matter. Uh, if you have an opportunity to uh, present your perspective and to learn the perspectives of others in whatever group of people you want to interact with, um, it's it's necessary to be involved. If you're not involved, you really don't have a whole lot of uh, opportunity to really be heard. Yeah, sort sort of like uh, complaining about where the uh, the car is going, but never, you know taking making any efforts to become someone who would have the ability to put their hands on the steering wheel themselves <laughs> it's like you can either show up and uh and it doesn't even particularly have to be just with politics just you know anything in life if, if you don't like what's going on you can be a you know 
armchair quarterback and complain about things, or you can, uh, you know, get off your ass and, and go do something. <laughs> and that, that's what I liked about 2020. That campaign was amazing. Uh, for those who don't know, I, I ran for state Senate here in New York as a libertarian in 2020. Um, I believe I broke records for the state at that level. I think it was 12.6%, over 13,000 votes, and there were some 17,000 people who voted but wouldn't vote in that race, uh, which is interesting. But what I liked about it was that I had to learn that if I want to seek to represent a group of people, constituents, the district, I had to learn that my opinions don't matter. That's not what a representative does. Um, now, I can interject them. I can guide people with messaging. But I can't tell them what to do or what they should want. And should I win, what they want is my job. Um, so I did have to learn to take on the perspectives or at least an understanding of the perspectives of other people. Um, and I took a lot of heat for some of that, too. I, I went to Black Lives Matter rallies. Obviously, that means I must be a socialist. Um, or oh, a damn. Am I a socialist now, too? Uh, you're right. right? <laughs> it, it, it seemed to be that criticism came from those who were terrified of socialists. Yeah, no, uh, it's silly. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a former, uh, you know, democratic socialist. Uh, I guess as a Bernie uh, Bernie Sanders supporter back in back in the day. Um, so, you know, I mean, I certainly have my issues with Black Lives Matter, but it's kind of like, I mean, we're not getting anywhere by just talking to libertarians. Right. <laughs> I mean, we can sit in a circle jerk and talk about how much we all love liberty, but it's like, okay, well, you know, eventually, and you know, this criticism, you know, I feel like. It applies to so many different groups in, in, in general. Everyone has, you know, a group of people they find icky. You know what I mean? Like maybe for people, some people were upset with you or me, or I know like Todd Agopi and others on, involved in the party, you know, were at least willing to have a conversation with and show up to Black Lives Matter events. And, um, you know, it's like, oh, they, they can't stand that. On the other hand, then, you know, I know some people who are more, uh, you know, comfortable trying to do outreach into maybe MAGA circles or Republicans, uh, etc. And people go, oh, I can't stand that. And it's like, now listen, I don't, you know, I don't want to dilute libertarianism and turn it into Republican light or, you know, Bernie Sanders Democrat light. But at the same time, it's like, if we're going to at some point become a movement or a political party or whatever that, you know, has the numbers that forces the powers that be to deal with us well we, we're gonna have to alert you know get over adversions to talking to people who have a different philosophical or political perspective than us and trying to find common ground with them to plant seeds that will hopefully eventually you know bear fruit into them you know if not becoming libertarian at least being more open to voting for libertarian candidates or supporting libertarian uh resolutions i mean Unless you were born a libertarian, a lot of us come from somewhere. You know what I mean? So we we have to be open to that. And I I, I never understood from any side, because I think there's, again, multiple sides that, that do this. You know what I mean? And there, there's there's a boogeyman or a, a group of people that they just don't. And it's like, fine, if, if they're not for you, that's fine. Like me personally, 
um you know i've always had a hard time with like the mega trumpers not my thing <laughs> i'm i'm more likely to probably engage in a little bit of cyberbullying with some maga people than i am in a, a very thought-provoking conversation just because i can't get over how much it seems like they've turned trump into this idol of their of their he's a golden calf you know what i mean aren't they all all, though true true so this is uh this is a good point that i like to to get on um another reason i didn't join a political party um despite not even knowing it existed (laughs) uh the libertarian party um is because i don't like group think any group think you put three people in a room who are all saying yes to the same thing, and I lose trust. I lose trust in that thing. I lose trust in whatever it is they're trying to do, and I lose trust in them as individuals because it's it's okay to agree with someone, even if it's all those three people agreeing, but shouldn't you at least have enough insight to have something to say about it other than yes? Sure. Yeah. And, you know, there's the a difficult balance between, you know, I think, the libertarian party and its various factions sometimes um you have maybe problems of groupthink and then sometimes you can have problems of people being so worried about groupthink that nothing gets done because people just get caught up in just disagreeing and it's like well the to me the the baby in the bathwater there is sometimes you have to learn to work with people and to go in the direction that there's a general consensus on so- while being able to maintain the your voice in, in saying well listen if this is what we're doing then okay that's what we're doing you know what i mean like i guess a good example would be i wasn't a big fan of joe jorgensen uh as the 2020 libertarian presidential nominee but once that decision was made it was like okay well my criticisms of her both before and during that campaign never ended but at the same time i still continue to work as a member of the libertarian coalition, so to speak, broadly speaking, to advance our goals, even amongst that disagreement. And I guess that's sort of, you know, to me, I think that's just basic mature adulting. I think, unfortunately, you know, a lot of libertarians maybe don't have that skill set at their disposal. But it's kind of like if you've worked on a job site, you know what I mean? Whether you're whether you've been an employee or even, you know, I've I've been on all I've been self-employed. I've been an employee. I've been the manager, um, and there's always going to be disagreements, and you have to find ways to work with people and to have functional, positive uh, relationships with people where you can continue to work towards common goals and not, you know, you don't want mindless drones, but you don't want, you know, people who do nothing but, uh, you know, <laughs> endlessly replay the libertarian meme of, oh, you won't tell me what to do. It's like, well, you. I mean, no, I won't tell you you have to do this, but at some point, if we want to get stuff done, we got to go do stuff. Again, it's kind of hearkening back to what I said at the beginning, like the uh, people who people who just like to complain and don't like to do things. I I, I can listen. There's as many there's more opinions than there are libertarians. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it's like so I, I don't care. if People disagree with me. It's just like, but can we work together? That's all I care about. Hang on. Thomas, here is your reminder. Go to bed. And Th- Tom- Thomas has already been taken over by the Bill Gates 
uh, dystopian uh, AI future, and he's he's being told uh, what to do. Wrong, <laughs> but... wrong, wrong mogul. And I set that myself. <laughs> uh, hopefully, we can just cut that out. But the, if I don't set that reminder and I'm working, I'll look up a few minutes later, and it's four a.m. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, <laughs> that's just habitual. If I got, if I'm focused, I, I just keep going. So I set that reminder not to actually go to bed at ten. But so it is on my mind. Right. <laughs> I only sleep 46 hours. But I want to get back to something you were talking about uh, a minute ago, the arguing and the infighting. And, um, you know, you and I have had a lot of discussions about messaging and the differences between bold messaging and, well, being a dick. Um, and, and I want to I want to get on that for a minute. I'm actually going to go ahead and I'm going to blame Obama. <laughs> I mean, he's the one that started this social media politics craze. Hmm, and, yeah. and ever since then, it's just gotten worse. And you see people, quote, unquote, ganging up on the Internet and wasting all their time on Twitter or Facebook making political arguments. And what is that doing? Hmm. Where's the action there? Right. Because, I mean, let's face it, um, Twitter if I'm correct here, is more from reaching the media because they're the ones who watch it more. Um, I believe Instagram has an age range. Uh, Facebook is now in the older age range for people to reach. And none of them, none of them are very effective um, as far as actually reaching people with a, a message that can be heard and understand and isn't incomplete. And, and that's where we really fail, right? Because and not just libertarians but humanity fails on the internet because our attention spans are not as high as we'd like to think they are i I don't care how smart a person is or 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 how involved a person is most people give you two seconds and one image to get your your point across and most people will take any chance they can because it, it's been bred into us over generations of, of uh, public education, um, the, the 24-hour news cycle, uh, political rhetoric um, is, is, is ingrainedness in our society that we have to knee-jerk react in whatever negative way possible. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, sometimes Twitter, Twitter only serves to uh, enhance that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the number of people I've counseled over their anxiety from social media is, is astounding and disturbing. Um, oh yeah, no, I I agree with you, and and I tend to have that same message for the people who maybe are out there doing nothing but edge lording and and shit posting, but also for the people who seem to do nothing but find time to be offended by the people who are out there edge lording and shit posting. It's like, but I, the, I, the interesting thing is, those edge lords also get equally offended about other issues. And we'll do the same thing back. Oh yeah, now they're they're kind of two sides of the same <laughs> coin. So yeah, I'll 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 give you that. Um, I mean, I think uh, there there's certainly um, you know a utility to making sure that you put out a, a good message. And I think Twitter can be, Facebook can be, you know, all these things. You know, obviously I'm in the podcasting sphere. I I, I you know I, I think that putting a message out there is is important. You know, but. You got to have act something actionable behind that message. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'll, I'll use just because this is the, my podcast. And so I'll go on theme here and use Jesus as an example. 
you know, Jesus talked a good talk, but if he didn't walk the walk, he wouldn't have had the following he had. You know, it's like he didn't just go out there and 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 preach about, uh, you know, telling people to live out the kingdom of God in their lives. Like he 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 demonstrated that time time and time again. So people followed him. You know, maybe they were initially drawn in by the things he had to say, but what made them stick around and have maybe life changing uh, experiences from his ministry, you know, was as much the things he did that backed up the things he said as, you know, it wasn't just like Jesus went around and, and uh, you know, his entire ministry was just talking. There was a lot of action behind that. So, yeah, not that again, because you do need the talking because if you're just out there doing things and it's not getting promoted, well, you know, that might not be good either. So you have to, yeah, you have to have both. You need the action. You need the promotion. Um, you need to grab people's attention. And, you know, I think insofar as division of labor is a libertarian principle, you know, there's going to be different roles people fall into. And sure. I, I tend to sometimes enjoy people who do shit posting well, because I think there's good shit posting and bad shit posting. Um, like, I love the sort of trolling of the ATF and the IRS and the three-letter agency that Spike Cohen does. I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. It's it's like art. <laughs> um, then there's some people who, you know, uh, don't necessarily do a good job at uh, doing that, or it's a mixed bag at the very least. And, um, you know, yeah. so it's, it's, it's it, and, and there's, there's times where I'm sitting there clapping and there's times that I'm, annoyed by it and upset but i i also go you know what it's uh, people's attention spans are short like you said which means that you know two months from now people won't remember the dumb thing some libertarian said on the internet um yes and no right so their attention span is short enough that they're not going to pay attention to have that conversation or necessarily read the thread um but their attention spans are strong enough to remember anybody who says i hate whatever whoever or right and we were we were talking about messaging earlier and, and this is something personal to me from the 2020 campaign in particular i mean i had someone look me in the eye over zoom and tell me that i wanted the poor and disabled to die because i'm a libertarian well that puts you in an awkward position doesn't it <laughs> I, I turned her into a supporter uh, <laughs> but here, here here's the thing right there's messaging that's going to stick and be proliferated when it's not handled well. And, um, you know, I don't really want to spend this whole podcast talking about messaging, right? Um, point being, back to why I love the 2020 campaign, we were busy. We were campaigning. Four yeah. to seven days a week, I got up. At four or five a.m., was out the door by seven, not back till seven or nine, and and did it over again. Right, we we went out to every single small community in the district. It's four counties wide, big counties in New York, not maybe not as big as the counties in some other states, but uh, there's some of the bigger ones in New York, and but uh, it takes two and a half hours to cross it from from longest distance, the district that I ran in, and. You know, I'm almost ashamed to say this, but I, I saw a lot of places I had never seen before, even though I've lived here all of my life. 
Oh yeah. Um, I remember when I went door knocking uh this this past few months for the uh uh trying to get some of our candidates in Pennsylvania on the ballot. I mean, even in my own neck of the woods, I was going into neighborhoods I didn't really, you know, probably had driven past a thousand times, never really knew that they were there or didn't know like, oh, there's a park here, oh, there's a school here, you know. So it and then, you know, there's so much people can get really focused on, you know, metrics and stuff about social media engagement. Um, but I think the type of engagement that local activism in your community face to face does is so much more important. I mean, I had a really uh, interesting interaction uh, when I was out door knocking, you know, I, you know, knocked on someone's door, they answered the door, gave them the general spiel. And they went, Oh, no, I, is that, I mean, it's like, no offense. I don't want to support the libertarian party at all. Cause all you guys do is steal votes away from the Republicans. I was like, you know, and you know, a lot of times people would just say, no, you kind of like, okay, whatever. Thanks for, I, I felt inclined in this particular instance to push back a little and go, well, you know, it, it varies. We, we take from Democrats too. Sometimes it, it, it probably evens out over a long time frame. Right. And, so it actually depends on where you are. Right. Um, so, so states that are democratically controlled, meaning that the Dem- Democrat Party has control, like New York, you're going to get more Republicans interested in your party, and vice versa. In opposite, right? I mean, look at Kansas. Look what happened in Kansas with the abortion thing, right? Um, it, it was not libertarians and Democrats in, in Kansas who came out to vote for a majority to keep their right for abortion. It was largely Republicans and independents. Um, they believe in their freedoms and their rights. And they believe in, uh, you know, and, and you can you can take an abortion argument any which way you want. I'm kind of on both sides. Um, I, I, I don't like it, but I don't want to make a law about oh, yeah, it. No, I, I, yeah, uh, I get but regardless, those were not libertarians who made their vote, right? Um, right. But that was a libertarian vote because it exercised the right to freedom. And, and why do I state that it exercises a right to freedom to, to support, quote, abortion rights? Um, you, you know me, Jacob. We've had these conversations. You know I don't particularly like abortion, particularly considering that I am now a 39-year-old non-viable fetus by New York State standards. Um, if I were born today, as I was in 1983, a doctor could coerce my poor parents, they were definitely financially poor, um, to to abort. Uh, and in fact, CPS tried to take me, you know, we, we could take care of him, he's going to be a burden. You don't need your own child, da, da, da. And my, my mother threatened to cut the social workers hard out. Um, yeah, no joke. So, do I like abortion? No. Uh, but I, I do like keeping a government that doesn't know how to legislate anything properly out of it. Um, so to, to speak more directly to that, I know you're aware, your listeners may or may not be aware, I'm also a disabilities advocate. I've been doing advocacy for disability issues for many years before I was a libertarian. Um, and I have worked across the country remotely uh, with that regard. I have talked to parents who have um, been the subject of that coercion I discussed about what would happen with myself today in New York. Mm-hmm. 
and whether they chose to do it or not, they were scarred by it. Oh yeah, yeah. No, and I then, can, yeah. And then, if you're institutionalized as a person with a disability in a state institution, well, in New York, abortion is legal. Guess what they're going to try to make you do and, and probably succeed? Have an abortion, whether you want it or not. Right? No choice. Um, similarly, um, in a state that's completely anti-abortion, which most of them that go anti-abortion don't have enough stipulations for um, the reasons that the majority of people who are anti-abortion actually say, well, that's okay. Um, then someone who's disabled in an institution who willingly has sex and wants the child that they're carrying, or, or sorry, I got that backwards. That would be New York. In a state where it's not allowed, right? Um, it could be rape. It could be potentially life-threatening. It could kill the person to go to term. There are instances like that that happen. And when an abortion is not allowed in some states, guess who suffers? Right. So, I mean, where do you draw the line at, at rights and reasons, right? Um, I don't like most of the reasons of today for abortion. I don't think financial issues should be the reason for abortion. However, I think if we're really against abortion, maybe we should try to fix the broader problem with the financial issues. What well, isn't that like, you know, because that is the libertarian mindset, I think, at play. And and I'm I'm pretty much right there with you because, you know, I'm 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 very passionate in my, you know, uh, disdain for abortion. I think it's the one issue I've been pretty consistent on, no matter what my political affiliation. I know I I was a bit of a outcast in my days as a Democrat because I was very anti-abortion. Um, but I, I think the issue is that as, as libertarians, we we tend to look at a problem and, you know, have this really insane extremist radical idea of going, hey, you know, how do we actually solve the problem? <laughs> not, not, you know, pontificating about we need to make sure that these bad things are banned on paper, that we get certain people in certain offices who have some kind of, you know, cloak of legitimacy wrapped around them by this system. You know, they need to put words to paper that say this thing is bad. And, you know, what are the consequences of that? Whatever. Is that going to lead to less of this happening? Are there any unintended consequences of this? Doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It's like, um, what's funny is a lot of people on the right and the people who are anti-abortion love to throw the, the word virtue signaling around. And it, it's ironic. In this instance, I often feel like the the anti-abortion statists are really guilty of a bit of virtue signaling because to them it's much more about uh winning the battle of moral outrage as opposed to how do we decrease the number of abortions from happening which is my primary like i'm so anti-abortion i have this radical idea and mindset of how do i reduce abortions not how do i get my moral principle enshrined onto a piece of paper. And, and that's really the difference in mindsets at play here. And it applies to abortion. It applies to so many different issues. Now, now I want to be clear. I'm sympathetic to maybe a pro-life person who is a libertarian or at least liberty-minded who 
you know, you can make the argument, oh, well, if I'm a libertarian who's not an anarchist who thinks we should have some minimal state that, you know, and if there is a minimal government or state, they're the one of the most basic functions, like one of the only things we wanted to exist for is to protect people's rights and to, you know, one of those rights being the right to not be murdered. So shouldn't the government at the very least ban abortion? It's like, well, I, I hear that argument. I think, A, where that argument fails is that, A, I'm not a minarchist, so there you go. Um, but <laughs> secondly, um, even if I try to really put on my minarchist hat, I don't think that being a minarchist means, again, that the goal is, well, you know, what is what are the laws that we ideally want in a sort of utopian sense? It's more like, you know, what what is your goal with the law and how are you going to enforce it? It's like because you can put words to paper, but if if it's just words to paper without any way, I get going back to what we talked about at the beginning, if there's no action behind the message nothing happens, right? So it's like, what are you going to do? Like, let's get to brass tacks. What are you going to do with this law to actually push back against abortion? Right. So Some people, know, go ahead. This is another one of those instances where it's too complicated to expect the government to actually address the issue in a nuanced way, because there are many different individuals in many different situations and many different locations and many different religions and many different financial situations and many different this and many different that and micro machines. Right. I sound like that guy. Um, These people can't even get the roads right. Like, right? what? No, no, what? Exactly. Like, <laughs> we want a government that can't build a road at a fair price to legislate morality over 350 million people. I mean, this is the same government that claimed it could stop a virus. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, yeah, exactly. I'm not, I'm not a pandemic denier, I'm not a COVID denier. I, I will tell you and your, your audience, I've had COVID three times and twice it almost killed me. Well, you know my dad almost died from COVID. I'm, I'm yeah. very familiar with it right but there are more people than you and me right no. <laughs> um so I, i'm not a covid denier but i'm also very practical about it um yeah i don't think shutting down the economy was a great idea <laughs> yeah yeah no it's now we have this new virus called inf inflation or in inflat I, I don't know how to pronounce it or something like that you know what i mean Infla inflation yeah. or <laughs> Yeah, um, it's, it's causing ca causing all the the prices to go up. But uh, I don't know. Biden has a new bill for it, so we should be we should yeah. we, we should be set. So that that's another interesting thing, right? Um, a lot of people rail against democracy, right? Because that's mob rule, and I kind of get their point because in today's democracy of the U.S., that's correct. Um. But the principles of democracy are not what it is here today. And to to I'm okay out. with I'm okay with democracy in a vacuum. Like, I mean, listen, if you want to have a private business that you decide things sure. through some kind of democratic process, I don't I, it's like what's wrong with democracy isn't that people voting and coming to some sort of majority consensus to make decisions. Right. No, it's, what's wrong with democracy is the same thing as wrong with every other kind of government. Right. It's the gun that people introduce. It's like, you no, know, it, it's greed, <laughs> cronyism, corruption, right. power. Like if my if my church has a vote tomorrow 
to like you know, so so I mean I'm I'm pretty open with my religious views as a social conservative. Um, and I, you know, two different hats here: libertarian. I will fight for and advocate for the rights of all people, including uh, people to, to, to do participate in things that I would as a Christian not participate in or condone. That includes maybe an example like homosexual marriage. I'm, I'm not uh, on a personal social level uh, an advocate for that. I, I don't I don't think it's uh, compliant with my religious worldview. So let's say my church, like the elders and the body voted tomorrow and they decided, you know what, we're going to allow homosexual marriage in our church. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Well, I have two choices, right? I can go, all right, maybe I'm wrong. I'm going to change my mind or maybe I'm just not going to care that much. Or I can go, all right, bye. I'm going to go to a different church, right? And there's there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The only point that that would be wrong would be if I went, yeah, you know what? Uh, you know, you guys do what you want. I'm going to go somewhere else. And then they decided to, you know, with guns, trap me in there and go, no, you're you, you can't leave. You're going to be part of this church the rest of your life unless you pay some kind of massive fee to leave and go to a different church. And you're going to be forced to use part of your income to pay for the things that you don't want to pay for uh, and, and all that. Like it's it's democracy is fine until you implement the use of coercion uh, of to enforce those those results. That That's the problem. So. You're, you're you're right to an extent, but there's more problems wrong with specifically our country's democracy. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and that that really has more to do. Um, it has more to do with cronies and greed. Oh know, yeah, lobbyists, special interest right. groups, we, money we and like, politics. Yeah, yeah, we like to blame our politicians, right? And I get that, right? I mean, oh, it's all Joe Biden's fault, you know, because he he's completely there he's not senile he's making all of those decisions right himself. he's not a puppet nobody's paying anybody to control him um i think that's a farce right i mean to literally hate biden for what he says today is like to hate your grandmother who's got dementia and is going off in something wacky about the 1920s right i mean so I, oh 
I, I mean, I don't like Biden for his entire political career. <laughs> and I will say that. But to to be so awful today to the man. Hmm. It is kind of punching down. <laughs> right. So, I, I mean, we, we have to, if we're going to make those criticisms, we have to recognize that it's more than him. Or else, oh, yeah. our, our, or else our energy is wasted in the wrong direction. Well, and it's always it, it. You know, it goes back to the. It doesn't matter if it's red or blue in office. The same policies, whether it's war, whether it's the borders, whether it's the war on drugs and the mass incarceration and the police state, uh, the overregulation state, like all this stuff, kind of more or less stays the same, no matter who's in office. It, right. it might have a different branding you know what i mean it's like we're almost fighting almost fighting over what color to paint the walls it's almost that arbitrary well and, and actually the pandemic's a great great example because i mean the stimulus started before biden took office oh yeah right the vaccine um, started before it, it was trump's vaccine remember yes that's exactly, that <laughs> operation warp that speed say, right i mean he subsidized the very vaccine that the republicans tried to win um I'm railing against. Um, and it's just, it's so strange. And I'm in New York, right? So we know who Trump is. We know he's a limousine Democrat. Right. You know that term, limousine Democrat? Oh, yeah. Well, and even the way anyone who's, you know, especially from, from the city, like listening to Trump talk, it just reminds me of listening to any like not any, but like a lot of New Yorkers talk. Okay, people are like, oh, he's so hyperbolic. And so I was like, yeah, like, like that's, you know, you go to New York and you go to like, you know, just like pick a random diner or a restaurant and like the establishment owner probably would talk to you in a very similar fashion. Like, I mean, you might not like it, but it's like that's that's uh, there, there's a, a bit of that culture up there for sure. Yeah, I no, no, I, I have to disagree with you. Uh, most of the people I run into, particularly restaurant and shop owners and I. Spent actually for the first time in my life three weeks in New York City this spring during petitioning. Um, I, I don't think there is bad. Um, I think people can be that bad. But oh, I, I mean, I think Trump's especially I, bad on that front. I just meant well, it's well, not no like regardless. it. But the yeah. point I'm trying to make is I think business owners know enough to not drive away business. Well, they also know their. They're, they're, you know what I mean? Like sometimes it's like people know their regulars and so they'll, you know, shoot the shit with their regulars. And it, it almost reminds me, if you ever watched the movie uh, Grand Torino with uh, Clint Eastwood. Um, Not a big TV guy. Uh, well, um, it, it was a small scene in there where uh, uh, the, the character that Clint's playing goes in uh, to get his hair cut and him and the, the barber like are like just trading these like the worst insults to each other and then the the boy that clint's trying to like mentor in this movie comes sits down to the chair and like says the same exact thing to the barber that clint did and then the barber's like well what the f and starts freaking out and he's like well he's like you know like i know him we can do that to each other you can't do that to someone you haven't met before and so like a lot of times the, the like my experiences in, in new york because my uncle lived there for for almost my my entire life um and we'd go there like my uncle was like a super soft-spoken person but then we'd go to like these different restaurants or you know places in his neighborhood and the people would like talk awful to each other but in sort of like that 
endearing way uh that that's that's i wouldn't say it's even that that's in a generic sense that's not unique to new york but i don't know there's a new yorkian way to do it that that that, that i recognize when i see it well so i mean there's new york city and then there's upstate and a lot of us yeah. upstate well until more recent generations but i was still one of the stragglers we were raised in the barn <laughs> yeah uh, Typically, as a kid around here, you're told if you're going to swear, swear in the barn. Right? Um, it's hard work. It's frustrating. You get a lot of reasons to swear because, um, you know, it's it's not easy work. And you'll find that on any job site. You'll find that uh, if you've ever been on a construction site, those guys are likely going to swear once in a while. Um, yeah. So... But anyway, but your your point, we got a little derailed there. The point about Trump. About messaging and Trump, right? Yeah. Um, what has Trump done in his life? Uh, not. I mean, he's he's done a lot of things. He's used popularity to build yeah. his business. Oh yeah, and uh, and and so he knows how to be popular, and he knows how to get the right reactions from the right groups of people, and it doesn't matter which group of people it is. Um, I mean, we all remember The Apprentice. Um, he was building his brand. And he was making himself look like a good leader. Oh, yeah. And and you could tell, there were so many times that you could tell Trump was trying desperately to get the Democrats to like him or to support him on certain things. I mean, you know, sometimes it, it I mean, really pissed me off the most where there were times where he would, like, say like you know anytime people go oh he was the most libertarian president of our lifetime i'm like do you ever hear the man talk about guns but when he had the bible upside down oh, no no don't even get me started about that no <laughs> signing the bible trump yeah, signing yeah. the bible at rallies i lost my freaking mind yeah there's, there's a golden me? calf there's a are golden you kidding calf, right? me <laughs> like there's nobody in the world that you should ask to sign your Bible. But if there was like the last person in the world who you should ask to sign your Bible, you know, I don't, I don't know if it'd be Trump, but he, he'd be in consideration for that. Yeah, maybe, maybe your own pastor, right? Um, I don't know, like something. Like if you went to like, I, I don't know, like if you met Billy Graham when he was still alive or you met some fan, like even that I would not like, but it would be so much less cringe than going to a Trump rally and asking Trump to sign your Bible. Like, wow. Like, tell me that you haven't read the Bible without telling me you haven't read the Bible. Yeah. Well, and, and he did it immediately. I mean, that was um, the BLM quote riots in D.C., right? First, first, he had people beaten back so that he could walk out there to hold the Bible upside down. I mean, that, that's just, I, I mean, if that's not pandering and if that's not a sure obvious sign of a direct lie to the people he expects their support from. Uh, I don't know what it is. And, and I mean, we see the same thing on the other side. I don't want to rail just against Republicans. Uh, I spent most of my life railing against the Democratic Party because I'm disabled and I like to live. 
Um, well, with other politicians, like they would contradict themselves, but you have to kind of go over like months or years to find the contradictions. With Trump, it could be like two headlines from the same day or whatever. <laughs> it was, it was like in real time. You would catch it and stuff. It was, it it was wild. I mean, in, in some in some sense, it was almost entertaining because Trump Trump is kind of entertaining because he has that background. It was like you know, I, I would be more entertained by this though if it didn't like hold the lives of millions of people here and abroad in the balance. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the dementia analogy that I made with Biden earlier, in my mind, also applies to Trump. Whether he's being controlled by people or not may be a different story, but he's definitely not all there in my mind. He can't be. Yeah, he's not. He's he's not even playing 2D chess. <laughs> <laughs> let alone the five-dimensional upside down you know <laughs> uh space chess that the trump supporters uh, like to think he's playing we could we could go on about trump for for, for hours i i have a or particular biden or, yeah, or biden hillary yeah. or bush or obama or uh, i mean well, pick one right <laughs> right well, one of the things that the two parties consistently fail to do which which is something that I wanted to talk about because this is an area you have a lot of experience in, you know, that every politician, whether left or right, in their own way, tries to sell a message of we're going to take care of you. The Democrats, it's with the social programs, with the Republicans, maybe they don't emphasize the social programs, but it'll be like, oh, we're going to cut taxes and, you know, some some kind of lip service to my freedoms and, and stuff like that. So but But at the end of the day you know, we're kind of left left on our own, no matter who's in, in charge. So, you know, a, a lot of people will often, you know, oh, libertarians, well, you know, how are you going to take care of people when they're old or they're disabled or, you know, they lose their jobs or the, the market crashes, you know, uh, we've tried laissez-faire capitalism, you know, in the past and people starve to death on the streets and whatnot. And, hey, you know, how... You try that? Yeah, I know, I... Yeah, but back back when Rockefeller was lobbying to the government to have monopolies over big uh, oil and stuff, is that's when we did free market capitalism, I guess, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. go back to the railroads. The government's been supporting monopolies for right. Yeah, uh, I mean, how long? I think before that, it was a shipping industry, slave trade. I mean, you name it, right? Yep. Um, now, I live in New York. New York is a democratic controlled state or a, a democrat party by what you say i live in new york almost like i used to say i was a vegan back when i was a vegan just like you <laughs> well a lot of people in new york feel that way most of us don't like it here as far as the government is concerned a lot I had of to us bring that up, the option to leave and the rest of us have large families and other reasons to stay um yeah welfare program that's a oxymoron the way they're perpetrated uh because there, there's nothing well about it and it's certainly not for someone's welfare what they're saying is i pity you i see you as less here's some crumbs no. and because you're getting these crumbs we're going to restrict your constitutional rights Oh, by the way, the crumbs are from the food that we stole from you anyway. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, so what, what people have failed to realize, and this is one of those things that is more nuanced and needs to be 
communicated appropriately and likely slowly, right? Because people don't change their minds like that typically, specifically with politics, right? Um, how do we replace welfare? How do we not let the poor and disabled die? Remember that came up? Well, there are quite a few reasons, there are quite a few avenues towards that. Um, one of them is improving the economy without force. Um, when you improve an economy, the communities within that uh, economy tend to have more. Hmm. And, yeah. and, and, you know, we're also cynical. We think that people won't help people, but we fail to remember. This is my favorite statistic, by the way. Uh, people who reside within the United States are statistically the most generous giving of dollars people on earth. And I believe it's the same for time um, and goods like food to food banks. But, but more specifically, of dollars, despite our tax rates, despite our workload, despite all of these other forms of oppression, we are the most generous people on earth. Now, do you have anybody in your family with disabilities? Um, or elder, right? Aging becomes a disability. Everybody. Yeah, my dad, my, my dad, I guess, after he's got like long COVID complications and some disabilities that have come from that. Right, um, so I, I, had, I have had relatives in the past who had disabilities who have since passed, but I can remember when they, when they did, when they were struggling. Right. So, so my question to you then, right, and this is for example, I'm not trying to lead your show. Sorry. No, um, go ahead. <laughs> um, are you going to allow them to suffer and die? Oh, no. Even if the government's not helping them? Yeah. Well, I mean, the government's not helping them. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so if, if the uh, quote unquote taxes which let's face it, the percentage of your taxes that are for welfare that come out are very low in regards to, to, to individuals within our country, right? Corporate welfare is a different story. Foreign aid welfare is a different story. But as far as to individuals, it's, it's minuscule. Um, however, if you were to, let's call it 10 bucks, right? Let's say everything that comes out of your paycheck for that week that goes to social welfare is 10 bucks. It's just a nice and even number. Are you going to go buy yourself some candy or are you going to take care of the person you love who needs help? Right. Yeah. No, it's. So uh, yeah. people make better decisions than any organizations with regard to the individual. Yeah, that's true. And even private private charitable organizations tend to make better decisions. And also more of the money tends to actually go towards the people they're supposed to help and not as much in overhead. I mean, even I remember looking at statistics and like some people were like ranking the worst charities. And, and I remember like one of the ones at the top was like, oh, yeah, only 80 percent of their proceeds go to the people that they're aimed to help. I was like, that's still like. 30% better than government welfare programs at best. Yeah. That's being, me saying half of the government money goes to the people it needs is being rather charitable. 
it's minuscule actually i mean because yeah. when it comes to what goes to directly to people it's it's very very little uh, yeah so a lot, i'm on the board of a couple of nonprofits. one in particular i can tell you struggles over the costs and um, restraints put upon it by the government hmm. so do you think maybe that 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 nonprofit you're discussing that the 80% went towards uh, uh, whoever, do you think maybe that percentage would be even better if they didn't have so much red tape, if they didn't have um, liabilities with regard to workers, right? I mean, we're, we're all pretty much against like income tax and withholding and um, social security because it's failing. How many people, I mean, I, I can think of a lot of people I know who have had disabilities happen because they were in such poor economic conditions that they sort of felt forced into less than ideal circumstances that led to them being injured, whether it was working too many hours and getting hurt in the job or, uh, you know, people getting in car accidents because they were, uh, you know, driving late at night because they're having to work two jobs. And there's like, there's, you know, it's sort of like, um, you know, it reminds me of sort of like, um, something that i think hayek said once it's sort of like the the seen and the unseen you know the the intended and the unintended consequences of 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 certain actions and policies and you know people can often you know think very easily of examples of like seen consequences of the damage that government does to the economy by taking away people's you know hard-earned income from them but there's there's so much more than just Oh, it's harder to make ends meet. Like you know, there can be compounding, crippling, uh, you know, effects in people's lives. I mean, heck, my my own dad and the whole situation where he got COVID. I mean, his health had been going through the the toilet before he got COVID, largely because after Obamacare got passed, a lot of the medications that he needed were like no longer being covered correctly. Yeah. And so he had to go try different medications that didn't work as well and that were causing like, you know, side effects and different things and damaged his 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 thyroids and his kidneys. So he was already not, you know, I mean, you know, he wasn't the picture of health before Obamacare, but he was at least like able to get decent insurance and get medications that allowed him to live a normal life. And then after, you know, a couple of years of the Affordable Care Act, um, he just kept, you know, having to, he'd go to the doctor sometimes like two or three times a month because he was trying to try different medications out or fight to get the insurance companies to pay for things. Yep. I mean, it was just a mess. Story of my life. Um, the, uh, the interesting thing there is that these systems, they don't help and they're so convoluted. Um, if you're, oh. if you're out there and you think, Specifically, the social welfare programs work correctly, feasibly, within the budgets that they're supposed to. I'm going to urge you to find yourself, not just one, but a handful of people who are social workers. Don't go into their job because they won't talk to you about it there. Make friends with them. They'll open up to you. And they'll tell you just how shit their job is and just how horrible, horrible these systems are being effective. Yeah. 
No, I mean, look, our, our social workers have a have a higher rate of, of psych disorders, a higher rate of suicide, a higher rate of, of quitting a job, a, a higher rate of becoming abusive over stress, right? We all recognize that when someone is too stressed out and they lose control of their emotions, it can become a thing and it can become permanent and then they become an abuser. Um, these are all effects of the government. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it, it and it's you know, people you know, money isn't a cure all, right? Like you can't just put money in people's pockets and expect that everything would be magically better. Um, but at the same time, it, it's sort of like if someone is in poor financial straits because of their own bad decisions, that's one thing. But if somebody, you know, was doing fine walking, you know, like walking down the road and then a mugger comes up, like breaks their leg, takes all their belongings and leaves them like bleeding on the road. And then you go up to help them and people go, oh, you're just going to go and, and, and help them and give them a handout. You think it's going to help them? It's like, mm, yeah, prob- probably, you know, or what really would have helped them is maybe if they weren't mugged in the first place. <laughs> Well, you know, similarly, maybe uh, maybe somebody broke their leg snowboarding and they chose to go snowboarding. Uh, that's a poor decision in that instance if they don't know how to snowboard and they break their leg. I think there are plenty of instances where people do things to themselves and, sure. and you make bad choices or bad decisions that put them in spots where they should still be helped. Uh, I just don't believe in forcing that help. That's the, right. that's, the that's the number one thing. Well, and you know, the, the, the Christian, the, the Christian two. element here, like when Jesus said, uh, you know, that which you do unto the least of these, you've done unto me. It's like, well, yeah. you, you know, the operative word there is what you have done, not what not what you advocated for the government to do via coercion and force, taking people's money at the point of a gun to distribute to other people. You're not going to go to heaven and Jesus is not going to give you a nice, you know, you advocated for large risk redistributionist policies and you know, I felt super loved by those, you know, you, you didn't give a dime out of your own pockets to anybody, but you know, you advocated for other people to go and steal, to give to other people. And by gone that, <laughs> yeah, you definitely followed that, that, uh, command to, to, to the T understood the heart of it. So that, that's, uh, it actually kind of brings me to something. Um, I like the concept. I don't know how we'll get there, but it's something that I think about a lot of, what some people call voluntary taxes uh but then again i wouldn't like to call it a tax if it's voluntary right uh, let, let's say um well you and i we, we just said that we don't like abortion but we don't want to legislate against it uh, maybe we could have a fund that's administered by a third party that's overseen by our government that um we can personally donate to to help uh, people who are considering abortions over financial reasons yeah yeah which is statistically shown to be one of the the most substantial, you know, as far as elective abortions, it's kind of at the top of, you know, you have financial reasons, then you have often right behind that is people being pressured by a family member um, or the or the spouse or partner who <coughs> participated Doctor. in the, yeah. Well, okay, that too. <laughs> yeah, for sure, that too. Um, although that, I don't think that shows up in the, the studies, oddly I, enough, but. No, but, no, but uh, here's, Here's some things we do know, right? Uh, well, you and I, and libertarians, particularly, we understand the nature of our educational system and what that means. 
doctors are very well educated. They've been in school a long time. Um, they have more money, more affluency. That makes them more likely to be Democrats. Yeah. What does that mean, Jacob? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Do you mean it makes them more likely to, like... Coerce a portion of those with disabilities? Yes. Oh. <laughs> or or people who are black or people who are poor. Um, and they may, they, they may actually think they're doing the right thing, but they're wrong. Um, yeah. And, and the... The situation always comes down to duress, imposition, uh, coercion, right? And when I say duress, I mean being under duress. That I know you're not female, Jacob, but I, I bet you could imagine that if you were giving birth and the baby was crowning and the doctor tried to convince you to have an abortion, you would find that to be an inappropriate time. Yeah. yeah. God. Yeah, it's, it's so... Ugh. I mean, it, it, it's like some, sometimes I, I get really triggered by the abortion topic only because as much as I'm a libertarian, I can't stand the pro-choice movement. And I can't stand when people try to conflate a libertarian position on abortion with being pro-choice. It's like, no, I'm definitely not like, or here's the thing. Or, you know, sometimes I feel like what we need to do is actually just co-op. The, the pro-choice language and say like you know here's the thing democrats really aren't pro-choice they're pro you having one choice which is abortion you know I, what i mean so, it's kind of like it's like they, they, they don't like to present to you with all the different options it's like right. well you this can is, either <laughs> this is another instance of group think going wrong yeah um initially right what did people want when it came to to abortion rights they wanted the ability the right to without persecution they wanted a medical setting instead of i don't know there's also an argument it's also an argument for the right to privacy because Mm -hmm. it's kind of like now and this is more true now than it used to be because now we have you know abortions that can be performed through just the prescriptive a pill being prescribed to you and And we have cameras everywhere yeah well and it's like do we want do we want to promote a, a sort of culture where people are going around and going, hmm, I think she was pregnant. Now she's not pregnant anymore. We should, you know, call the police and have them or, you know, God forbid, like the police are doing that or doctors are doing that or like, you know, we don't we don't want to increase the uh, the, the ability of the government to uh, serve, you know, be be watching us. And I mean, God, it's like uh can we remember the last time a major argument was made for increasing government surveillance in the name of of saving lives like and how well that's gone yeah. <laughs> patriot act like we don't we don't want a patriot act to save uh fetus lives it's like you know we we should actually just you know at the end of the day cuz you can put that law on paper but at the end of the day what's going to happen is the woman's going to be standing in front of the mirror with the abortion pill she either acquired legally or illegally and she's the one who has the power to take it or not. And, 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 we, and we, that's, that's a best case scenario. Yeah. In, in more impoverished areas, you will see back alley abortions. You will see sloppy work. People yep. try to tell me the coat hanger was never a thing. But I've actually spoken to people whose parents have used it. Uh, 
<laughs> I mean, so obviously at some point in one instance or another, it was a thing and it's well known. And it's also yep. a symbol of the abortion movement. So there's some shtick to it, right? Um, and, and what does that mean? What does that actually mean? That means that desperate people are going to do desperate things, whether you make it legal or not. I mean, we see this with drug use. We see this with violent crime. We see this with theft. We see this with with um, white collar crime, right? The minute someone is desperate or, and this is the important thing, is made to feel that they're desperate, they will do desperate things. Well, it's also like it's just, like, again, to, to if I could even put my minarchist hat on for a second, you know, it's kind of like government, if it is to exist at all, should only be involved in instant in matters where there's really no nuance. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Hey, uh, you were caught on videotape going up to this man on the street and shooting him five times in the chest and he's dead. So like, you know, pretty, pretty clear cut. No, no real nuance there. Like, you know, <laughs> you're murdered. Hey, so have, or, you, have you, have you started active duty as a cop now? No, no, no. I, I, I haven't shot any dogs yet, you know, it's, <laughs> but, um, or it's like, Hey, wait, 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 wait. I just want to point out, you didn't say you haven't shot any people. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I plead the fifth. Um, no, but the, uh, uh, you know, or, or like a, an issue of like a property rights dispute. It's like, you know, uh, Hey, I think this person built their fence, on my property line. It's like, all right, I want to go to the deed of the property and determine where the property line is. Like, you know, arbitrating property disputes or clear you killed someone, you know, out walking around. Like, you know, you could make minarchist arguments for that. The government, you know, is always a blunt tool, but it can be used in those instances. The minute we have situations that require some nuance, you, you, the government is so ill-equipped to handle those even if it was completely filled with moral righteous people which you know that's of course always the case right the, the most moral righteous people are the ones who tend to seek political power of course oh, um wait, so wait, <laughs> wait 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 you mean to tell me people who virtue single run for office um and, and on both sides so so i mean i want to talk about this came up well this is the second time now we're talking about virtue signaling what is a virtue what is a virtue to you may not be a virtue to me. And what is a virtue to me may not be a virtue to you. And if we're talking about it, promoting it, we're signaling it. Name one person who doesn't signal their own virtues. It may not be what's, say, described in the Bible as a virtue or what's commonly thought of as a virtue. But if to you it's a virtue and you're signaling it, yours virtue signaling. The Republicans do it. The Democrats do it. The Libertarians do it. You and I do it. Everybody does it because if we didn't, we wouldn't have virtues and we wouldn't be trying to spread them. Yeah, I, I can hear what you're saying. I mean, I, I think I, I could push back back on that a little, but I, I don't want to get too well, far off topic. I think the, the point that I was trying to make is that just because we have different virtues doesn't mean that any one of us is not or is virtue signal. Sure. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And, and I think, you know, on, on, you know, again, the government being a blunt instrument, it's like, you know, how how do you use the government to uh, legislate abortion in all these different instances where there's different things at play? And there are some situations that are very morally ambiguous that yeah. that that 
you know, again, think about how binary, think about the binary thinking that you run into just at the DMV. And then imagine trying to process something complicated, like a, a woman with a complicated pregnancy through government processes as a means to solve that. And what you're going to lead to is what, what, and what the government would, would, probably over time do if abortion was largely something pushed into its control would be you know what we can't have all these people going around just having sex whenever they want getting pregnant whenever they they want this leads to so many pregnancies that are just you know so ambiguous or unviable and and it's it's reckless endangerment of people of people's lives to get pregnant and either uh know that you wouldn't be able to carry the baby to term or the baby's likely going to have some kind of uh, health problem you probably you know so you know it, it doesn't seem to me that far-fetched to think the government would start restricting how many kids you can have restricting you know you, you you can't even get pregnant unless you've gotten some kind of government license for procreation i mean like that that sounds crazy but there's countries that have done stuff like that you know what i mean well, and and so it, that, that's actually a rather decent point what sounds crazy, and again, this doesn't matter what side of anything you're ever on. Imagine explaining income tax crazy, to the founding fathers. What, what sounds crazy is always more plausible than you think it is. Right. Yeah. Like imagine, imagine talking, imagine trying to convince the founding fathers that the income tax would be a thing. Like it'd be like, what? No, it, that would never happen. Yeah. Or, People or, just take... or, or that the tax on tea is as high as it is. Right. Yeah. That... I, I that was my post the this last Fourth of July. I was like, "Hey, here are the tax rates that the uh, founding fathers." I mean, I'm not saying they went to war over the tax rate alone, but just like, hey, just for a point of comparison, here were the tax rates then. Here are the tax rates now. Just, just food for thought. <laughs> yeah, so, um, it was tax rates, but it was also uh, true property ownership rather than fiefdom. Um, representation taxation without representation there was also the just just the you know resource there was a there was a, a large cry from people that they just wanted to be sovereign they were like you know what like we want to like they a lot of them weren't even just like anti-tax they were like we want to have our own taxes that 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 we come up with and and that we impose upon ourselves and aren't right. imposed so, by the crown so, so again that comes down to resources because um, at the time, I believe they would be required to send so much of whatever they produce or harvest, in, you know, back home. Um, somebody would make money that wasn't the thirteen colonies. Yeah, yeah. So it's it, at the end of the day, it's it's. I guess the the thread that runs through all these different topics is just, you know, life's complicated and messy, and. I, I never try to sell libertarianism as this sort of like magic fix, this magic philosophy that would would result in some sort of utopia where everybody gets along and there's no issues and no conflicts. And, and that's and, where we fail. That's where yeah. we fail. The Democrats and Republicans sell that all day long. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but. But like they, it, to, to them, it's almost easier because it's like they're, they're actually selling something. They're like, hey, we will give you X. Whereas libertarians are like, no, we, we aren't going to give you anything other than leaving you alone. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it, it's not to me, it's not that libertarianism makes things better, because to me, this, it's like libertarianism should be the status quo. 
and statism and authoritarianism, like these are people coming in going, well, we can, through the use of coercion and force and, and, and fiat, we can make things better and we can centrally plan either all of society or at least these certain aspects of society to be better than they are through natural human interactions in the marketplace. Right. And I have yet to find one instance where that's true. Well, on that note, um, I do have a new endeavor, Jacob. Believe it or not, Tom Queter is taking on more things, as always. Um, All right, everybody. That's the end of part one. If you want to know what Thomas is doing, (laughs) uh, go ahead and uh, go click on part two to hear what uh, Thomas is getting up to and to hear the rest of our conversation. Thanks. Uh, appreciate you guys listening in and, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Talk to you later. Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for four ninety nine each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or seven up all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.